0: This is Call on the Field Stands, Ryan Denchev and myself, Jeff Mapis, ready to get back into it. Got some MLB Hall of Fame discussion to get into, recap the NFL Championship weekend briefly, and finally get into some NBA talk. Been going on for quite some time and we haven't really touched on NBA that much.
1: Yeah, we've been neglecting it, been pretty consumed with NFL, like I think most people, especially this season. Um but yeah, it's, it's almost like once the NBA or the NFL season ends, that's when I like kind of dive full head into uh, yeah NBA. It's kind of like put on the back burner because the first half of the season is so boring anyway. It's meaningless. You right? got a million teams make the playoffs and nobody with any relevant chance of winning the championship has any significant games in the regular season pretty much until the end when they're trying to fight like second seed or third seed or first seed or fourth seed. like Right. First seven, they should probably just slop off like the first 25 games of the season and then just start it. They easily could. (laughs) So anyways, excited to get into this MLB Hall of Fame discussion. Um, Today is Wednesday, which means the announcements for the Hall of Fame came out yesterday, uh, the 20th, 21st. I can't remember my days correct. What the hell? Anyways, so we got Derek Jeter, Larry Walker into the Hall of Fame and that is it leaving off notable names such as Barry Bonds, once again, and Roger Clemens. Uh, Kurt Schilling actually got the third highest, if memory serves, from the list. Yes. Um, He just missed it. Yeah. What do you mean, 75%? He got 70. He got 70. Um, So, yeah, let's just get into that conversation because there's a lot to be said, a lot of discussions and storylines to be had. Uh, First being um, Derek Jeter gets... First Ballot Hall of Fame and misses a unanimous, the second unanimous of all time behind Mariano Rivera, who got it last year, by one whole voter. Didn't vote Derek Jeter. What says you about that, Jeffrey? Everybody's all up in arms like, what kind of idiot doesn't vote for Derek Jeter, et cetera. Uh, I don't know. What do you think? Here's your first reaction, because
0: I got some comments. It's, uh, one, if... Ken Griffey Jr. doesn't get unanimous, then fucking no one does. So I'll just lead with that. But it's uh, what sums up Hall of Fame voting to me is this is the 10th time Larry Walker has been on the ballot and he gets in, okay? Derek Jeter gets in almost one vote shy of being unanimous. And if you look at their numbers, they're pretty damn similar.
1: Uh, Yeah, I mean, you could be misled by some of the numbers. Um, But- See, all right, so... You can be, you can be. Part of the bullshit thing that doesn't make sense to me is like, okay, I think a big part of why Larry Walker got into the Hall of Fame this year was because it was his last year. You know what I'm saying? So people are gonna be like, oh, we're gonna vote for him to make sure he gets in because we don't want him. I mean, he was was still got in. They have that basically like, I forget how they do it, but it's almost like a veteran's appointment to the Hall of Fame. So he still would have got in, I'm sure. His stats are good enough, I would say, probably to get into the Hall of Fame. It's not that important like, you don't have to be the greatest baseball player of all time like there's a lot of marginal guys who make the Hall of Fame and that's fine. And
0: and I I'm more so saying like he's got an MVP, um he's got seven gold gloves, he was a batting title champ 3 times, 3-time three silver slugger award winner. I mean, he's yeah. got he's got some clout, I guess oh, is what sure. I'm getting at. For sure. Um and one of
1: those, you know, more recognizable guys in his era when he was playing, you know, back in the late 90s, early 2000s. Um <clears throat> but part of it is like Okay, the whole first ballot, unanimous, let me get him in on his last ballot. Like, it's all bullshit. Either they're a Hall of Famer or they're not a Hall of Famer in my opinion. So why guys are like, oh, well, I'm not going to vote for so-and-so because it's his first time and, you know, first ballot Hall of Famer, that's a whole whole other, you know, level echelon of guys that are more deserving than others to get first ballot. We'll just get him next year. Like, what the fuck? Either he's a Hall of Famer in your eyes, or he is not a Hall of Famer in your eyes. And what o- over the course of ten years was a voter saying, like, "Oh, you know, eight years ago, not a Hall of Famer. All of a sudden, eight years later, oh yeah, he 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 could be in the Hall of Fame." Like, it makes
0: so that makes no sense. There's not
1: that much turnover of voters that are just swinging these elections of of who gets into the Hall of Fame. Right. And same thing with like the Jeter thing. Like, okay, is he worthy of a unanimous? Is there other guys like you mentioned, like King Griffey right. Jr is like one that comes to mind who got missed by like what two or three or something like that. Like other guys, obviously who deserve it more so that like getting that unanimous than Jeter maybe, but like who fucking care? Everybody knows he's a hall of famer. Everybody knows he's deserving. Why does it matter? Like, and why is that one guy not voting for him just for the statement of, Oh, I'm not going to get the one him. guy, I mean, but it's, it's just like silly. It's him silly. As, as an example because he got it, missed it by one. But like, there's plenty of guys like, you know, he's a hall of famer. Who the fuck cares if he's unanimous on his first ballot or he gets in on his third ballot? Like he's either a Hall of Famer or he's not, and it shouldn't be very difficult to vote mm-hmm. on these for a lot of these guys. So I don't understand what the fuck changes over the course of a few years where all of a sudden, oh, these guys they got to get in. Oh, got to squeeze in Larry Walker. Uh, but to go back on your point real quick, you mentioned you know, like their their stats are similar. You know, you can see stuff on Twitter and things like that that kind of point like, oh, look at these six stats that I choose that are comparable. Like Derek Jeter arguably has the greatest postseason resume in the history of MLB players. Uh just trying to pull this up real quick. He well obviously he's played more games basically than anybody else um and gotten more opportunities, but he leads the MLB history in hits by almost double Bernie Williams number two with 128. Derek Jeter two hundred postseason hits. Like almost twice as many as the second guy. Um the most doubles. He's top top three in home runs. Nine behind Manny. Two behind uh, Bernie Williams in career postseason home runs. Like all these stats, he's in the top ten in pretty much every yeah. legit statistical category. Yes, he's played more games. Yes, he got an opportunity to play on some stacked ass teams and get there more than anybody else. But you can't just overlook those fucking numbers. Like those no, are if insane you sh- numbers. if
0: you show up when it matters, I mean, yeah, it, that, that's why Mr. I mean, November was not a. <clears throat> That's that's it why even I hold uh, Big Poppy in high regards because I mean he showed up in the playoffs time and time again. Uh, my point with the stats being comparable, understanding that um, Derek Jeter's postseason performances have some clout as well, is just the whole silly thing that <clears throat> you had just gone on about is Larry Walker is getting in. And like the last, last attempt he can get in Jeter's getting in the first time one vote shy of being unanimous. It's just kind of like you're either a hall of famer or you're not. So why, why are we
1: like, and I get like, there's the borderline guys. Um, you obviously as a voter, you only get 10 votes. Um, so sometimes I understand like, okay, am I going to put this guy on? Maybe, maybe not because I want to use my vote for this guy, but there's guys who are given like, you know, only so many votes like only that might vote for one guy or three guys. Like they're not obligated to vote 10 guys. So the whole thing comes into play again. Like, oh, I'm not going to vote for him this year. Maybe next year I'll put him on my ballot. Like what the fuck either. Like you said, <clears throat> he either is or he isn't. So th- the whole conversation that's going around like, Oh, he missed it by one vote. Oh, this Liz- Larry Walker just barely got in. Like who, fu- who fucking cares? All the yeah. famers are hall of famers. Yeah. And we still got like the second point of it. Why the fuck is Barry Bonds not in the Hall of Fame? Like, we need to get over this old white man status of reporters who are not voting Barry Bonds because, oh, he probably did juice
0: and his stats are inflated and he shouldn't be in. Greatest player of all time. Yeah, I don't give a fuck about stats being inflated. Slice off over 200 of his home runs. I don't give a fuck. He's still the only member of the 500 500 (laughs) club. Yeah. Get him in. Yeah, and I've made this point
1: too. Like, there was, you can read different things that basically say, uh, you know Barry Bonds probably did steroids in year X, and I think it was around 1998. If you take his year X, which like I said is about 98, whatever it is, you can look it up in the article. I, I'll have to find it somewhere. So where there where this reputable source says yeah he probably started in this year. If you take that year and beyond the rest of his career and just take it off of his resume, he's still in my opinion a Hall of Famer. So yeah. what are we talking about? And he is the greatest statistical player: home runs, steals. I mean, it's just, he's the best player of all time, in my opinion. Uh, So the fact that you don't have him on because guys don't want to vote for him, like, what the, get off your high horse there, buddy. You're fucking reporter who writes about the league. Like, you don't fucking, who says you know anything better than anybody else? Like, put the greatest player of all time in, Pete Rose, put fucking the all-time hits leader in the Hall of Fame.
0: Yeah, no, dude, 4,000 hits, come on, get him in, I just Barry Bonds is also the only member of the 400 400 club. So you can, That's great. You can slash off another 100 homers, <laughs> and he's still the only member of the 400 400 That's club. Insane.
1: <clears throat> That's insane. And you know you got Roger Clemens, the same thing, one of the best pitchers of all time, getting left off of ballots, 40% of ballots um, because people think he did Roids and he doesn't get in because he doesn't deserve it because he did Roids. Like, what the fuck? Everybody and, did Roy's in anyways. What are we talking about? And out of
0: all of the players on the ballot this year, um, those two players have, by a wide margin, the highest wins above replacement. So it's like, it's so clear to everyone that they should be in the Hall of Fame except yeah, the I actual mean, voters. They'll get in. Um,
1: I'm not sure. So I think you get allowed 10 years, which um, Roger and Barry and Kurt Schilling. Eighth. What?
0: This was their eighth time. Oh, gotcha. Um, yeah. So
1: they've got two more opportunities until, like I said, you maybe get that backdoor action. But, you know, one would assume uh, once all these old ass dudes kind of get out of the way, they'll get voted in. I don't know if there's enough time anymore. Uh, they might have to just wait till they maybe get appointed in. That Maybe they'll never get in. Who, who knows? It's who knows? Interesting. But, you know, if you take away, you know, Schilling, Clemens and Bonds, the next highest guy on the list Uh, by a wide margin, you know, fifth overall on this past year's uh, list of vote getters uh, isn't even close to the fourth is Omar Vizquel, which interesting conversation can be had. Obviously, we're both Indians fans grew up watching Omar, uh, one of our guys that I'm sure we both looked up to uh, as kids winning 11 gold gloves and nine of them or something like that in Cleveland. So what are your thoughts on Omar? You know, the biggest comparison I have is when you look statistical, I'll let you I jump in on this point uh, as I pull up the stats, but the Ozzie Smith comparison with Omar, I think is pretty alarming and obvious. Uh, but you know, what's your reaction to Omar who also uh, made a significant jump from 42.8% a year ago up to 52.6% uh, this year, slowly, but surely climbing and you get over that 50% mark, you're on your way. And next year we've got pretty much nobody coming in on the ballot. In addition, I think, uh, Tim Hudson and Mark Burley are the only two names that will get even, you know, eight percent vote or anything yeah. like that. And they're not going to be in Hall of Fame ever in their lives. So uh, you know, next year's probably the year because there's really gonna be nobody else to vote for except for, you know, Clemens and Bonds and and Schilling. But I think he probably if he doesn't get in next year, he's gonna be pretty damn close. And I think, I think he's so deserving. Too. You know, what are your thoughts
0: on Omar? Uh, bias aside or bias in, who cares? it's hard to put bias aside with Omar because <laughs> right. when I just remember as a kid, baseball was easily my favorite sport to follow. Like n- nothing even came close. Things have changed uh now. But uh especially following the Indians and watching it was a short stint uh, with Omar and Roberto Alomar up the middle, but my God, we had the best middle infield in the game. Um and it was uh up there was, in history, bro. Yeah, it it was it was a One blast of the best to watch in history. And uh, it's crazy that Omar consistently did it even after he left Cleveland and then toward the back end of his career. So uh, 11 gold gloves, I mean, you've got uh, some advanced stats you're going to lay out there, especially with that advanced, Aussie, how advanced Especially be, with that Aussie comparison. Um, Bro,
1: this dude won a gold glove when he was 39 years old. Yeah, that's crazy. As a shortstop. Like, what are we talking about?
0: <laughs> when, when I – when I think about Hall of Fame, I I want to think about special categories. When you think about Omar Vizquel, he's going to go down as one of you know top five, maybe even the greatest fielding shortstop fielder in general of all time. So to me, uh, that's Hall of Fame worthy. He uh, it's a big part of the game. Doesn't make many errors. Makes uh, special plays, routine plays. I mean, he makes it look easy. Um, Eleven Gold Gloves to go on top of it. I think he's in the Hall of Fame. Uh, I would definitely vote him. I'm not going to put my bias aside because (laughs) it's too hard with him.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's not even really biased. You know, kind of what you just mentioned, like special talents who are, you know, standout guys. And I think he's up there. Even if you aren't an Indians fan, I think that gets recognized, uh, you know, pretty clearly. So, you know, these quick stats. And to point out, so Ozzy Smith... Also, I'm not saying Ozzy Smith doesn't deserve being be in Hall of Fame. I think he does. He easily deserves to be in the Hall of Fame. But Ozzy Smith was a first ballot Hall of Famer. You go back to that whole conversation. With 91.7% of all votes in his first season eligible for the Hall of Fame he got. First ballot Hall of Famer. When you look at his stats, Omar got 37% a couple years ago. Like I said, bumped up to 42 or 43-ish, and now up to about 43. But when you look at these quick stats, like I said, not advanced, but pretty straightforward stats. Ozzie Smith versus Omar. Ozzie Smith had 28 home runs in his career. Omar, 80. 793 ribs versus 951 for Omar. Their career batting averages: Ozzie was 262 with 2,460 hits. And Omar was 272 with 2,877 hits. um, And 500 to 613 extra base hits. So over 100 more extra base hits. Uh, Omar's got 200 about more runs... And this is an interesting stat, 281 career errors in 2,500 games for Ozzy and 183 errors in 2,700 games for Omar. So he's got 100 less errors in 200 more games. So you look at those stats, all of those, like I said, you can find stats that kind of point one direction. Um, But like I said, both Hall of Fame careers, but it's just odd that Ozzy gets 92% votes and Omar, in his third season, eligible, barely gets fifty percent. Yeah, I mean, if he was more popular in the national media, uh, you know, you got Ozzy iconically doing backflips on the field. What is Omar iconically doing other than winning eleven gold gloves? Like, yeah, that's why Derek Jeter got almost every single vote possible. It's because he is a New York Yankee and the New York Yankee of our generation and of many people's generations dating back to I don't even know. Reggie Jackson, something like that. Yeah. So the popularity makes a difference when you have writers who are just as biased as anybody else. They're basically just glorified fans who get paid to be professional journalists in many senses. And they're deciding based on their popularity, bias and beliefs of who gets into the hall of fame. It's kind of skewed. It's kind of bullshit. Uh, hopefully Omar gets in, or that'll be one of the all time snubs in my opinion. Um, it's just weird when you look at stats and you look at guys who deserve it and who... I mean, like I said, it, it, Ozzy deserves it, of yeah, course. no, there's no doubt but about But how Omar gets left off is wild to me. So, I don't know. He better get in very soon or it's just going to be weird. I
0: agree with you. He he could definitely be uh, getting in next year, which yeah. would be pretty cool because we got to see Jim Tomey get in. Yeah. Next would be oh, for sure. uh, Omar Vizcal, Maybe get Manny hopefully. in there, too, but with the same kind of
1: arguments with Barry who knows and also 400 on top of all those stats for Omar he also had 400 yes. stolen bases. Yes. That was one Ozzie had over 500 stolen bases which that's also another Legit. reason why he almost had 600 actually 580 stolen bases. Like that another reason that Ozzy is very deserving I'm not going to say he's not but that 400 plus for Omar is another statistic that shows like how is this dude not in? Yeah. Especially when he's arguably the greatest defensive shortstop of all time. So, I don't know. He better get in. <laughs> He better get in. <laughs> it's crazy. but Yeah, I mean, that, that, I don't really think there's anything else that stood out so far as the, the Hall of Fame uh, results over this past week. What do you think?
0: Uh, just to hammer on the voting, like who the fuck is voting for Adam Dunn to go into the <laughs> Hall of Fame? <laughs> right. Why does he have a vote? Like is that just a sign of – is that like Dan Lebatard throwing his vote – I think he already got stripped of it, but someone like him throwing his vote away or something like that just to, to, to prove be, a point? yeah. Eric Chavez is getting two votes. Eric Chavez doesn't even be, belong on this. Cliff Lee is
1: getting two votes. Get the fuck yeah. Get come fuck on. out of here. Come on.
0: Yeah. Raul Banias. Like I. Jason Giambi with six. Alfonso. I mean, Soriano even even six. Jeff Kent and Andrew Jones who are getting
1: um, somewhat of a decent yeah. chunk. Like I, Jeff Kent, twenty eight percent.
0: I just come I I view those guys as really good baseball players in you know the generation we grew up watching, but Hall of Fame worthy. Right. Oh, come on. Not even uh, gonna waste my time voting for them. Right now, you get ten votes and you
1: vote for fucking Adam Dunn, which I almost guarantee whoever voted for Adam Dunn didn't vote for Barry Bonds. Almost
0: guarantee. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah, it that blows my mind. But you got guys on there like uh, it should be public ballots, by the way. It's every fucking should ballot be. should be public. It a lot of them be. now are going to Twitter
1: and like posting their ballots, but it should be fucking across. Not the Not enough board. of them, right?
0: But you got a guy like Gary Sheffield, who I kind of view as like he'd be a fringe. Hall of Famer for me, but the fact that he had 555 dingers kind of, you know, makes me want to put him in, um, you know, that's kind of a special group in the history of the major league. Only like 32 players have over 500 home runs. Yeah. Uh, the other guy is Manny Ramirez, I mean, he was a hitting machine. I mean, he was known one as one of the greatest hitters, we've one ever of the greatest, yeah, just pure hitting. He's one of the best. Like, I don't know. Those are two guys that I'd uh, probably vote for next year, along with Omar uh, maybe Billy Wagner, just looking at who's still, yeah, on, on the list. The ba- and then obviously Barry Bonds is getting right. in, yeah. I mean, that's the thing, like, there's a lot of fringe guys, I get
1: that. Um, like, I ah, maybe vote for him, maybe not, but some are obvious, and others, like, a lot of these fringe guys, if they get into the Hall of Fame. Good for them. Who fucking care? Like yeah. it impacts nothing. No, no, it doesn't degrade the Hall of Fame. Oh, we can't put Barry Bonds in. That means anybody. Uh, that's he's a asterisk to the game of baseball. He's a fuck out of here. Yeah, I, I vote
0: did. for Jose Altuve in about forty years too. Don't. They? Yeah, yeah, cocksuckers. Yeah, I I'd like to see it not get watered down. Like even Larry Walker could be a fringe guy for right. me too. Not gonna disagree with him getting in right. per se, but it's like. I would say similar to who he was in the game and you know, his numbers would be like a minimum threshold, if you will, almost like, are we really going to go lower than Larry Walker and vote people in? But that's just my opinion on keeping the hall of fame somewhat special. Word. But yeah, voting for guys like Raul Abanez, (laughs) I I just don't understand that. (laughs) Raul Abanez. Uh so we'll see what happens next year on the ballot. Um, it was exciting to see Jim Tomey, like I said, uh, getting in the Hall of Fame, uh, and Chipper Jones. I I grew up uh, being fond of the Braves as well, and uh, Chipper was one of my favorite players just because he played third base. He's one of the best uh, hitting, switch hit, power hitting switch hitters of all time, and uh, I just always liked the guy. So that was cool to see them get into the Hall. Um, and then, you know, this year, Derek Jeter, um, That'd he be was cool too, man.
1: Well, I was, I mean, I always hated the Yankees. Don't get me wrong, but I always respected cool. Derek Jeter. I always
0: liked Jeter for whatever reason. Yeah. He's him a Michigan Bernie. guy. So <laughs> I like him.
1: He's just like the pros pro, like the guy who did nothing wrong. I mean, to be the was face was of the, the New York Yankees guy. in the era no. we grew up in is pretty special. Never had controversy, never said anything bad, never did anything in front of the cameras that was like questionable no one knows anything about he's like a mystery man who's just really fucking good at baseball and is like the perfect baseball yeah you know guy to look up to just have Andy oh he played for the most popular team of all time right it's like I always liked him uh so it's gonna be kind of cool seeing a guy who like we grew up watching like kind of some of those guys that you mentioned another one of those guys like we're getting old is
0: basically I was just gonna (laughs) say that it's starting to make me feel old looking at these hall of fame ballots you know past couple years and, and moving forward now obviously these are these are the baseball superstars that we grew up watching, man. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah. Like I mean, next year, another guy who I failed to
1: mention, Tory Hunter is going to be on the first, his first time on a Hall of Fame ballot wow. next year. Like, Tory Hunter's been out of the game long enough that he's on a fucking Hall of Fame ballot. Like, dude, we're getting, we're getting old. we were
0: just saying A Rod is soon to right. be on the ballot. You I was know, I'm surprised like,
1: he's only
0: out of the league since his last year being 2016. That's pretty wild. I Seemed seem longer than that. Right. It's crazy. So, yeah. I mean, just these, I I mean, you've played with every single one of these guys on video games right. growing up, and they're, they're getting votes into the Hall of Fame. Yeah, it's it's crazy. just crazy. So uh, that's that with MLB uh, this week. We hit on the cheating scandal a little bit last week. Um, not too much more has come out about it. Um,
1: yeah, I've heard of a story that came out uh, that I saw today. Did it come out today, or did I just see it today? Um, talking about... Uh, essentially, the commissioner and the key execs in Major League Baseball um, set a basically gave immunity to all players who gave test of who basically gave information about what happened. Um, essentially, saying you know after I mean it, it was kind of third party. But I don't think they ever said it, and Manfred said it, but basically saying that. They don't. They didn't think they could have ever gotten away with suspending them because of the union and the and the players' association and all that kind of stuff. So they just decided not to do anything, give them immunity, get all the information out as possible, and put a stop to it. Which it's fucking insane that Rob Manfred even has a job as commissioner when another part of the story goes on to say he told all GMs and Lou, now uh, GM of the Astros at the time, decides not to tell the players and relay the message that. Uh, which who knows if that's fucking true. That could be a bunch of horseshit, uh, whether or not they got told or knew it's like, they didn't know that what they were doing was wrong. They just didn't know they got caught and yeah. continued to do it. Basically give a fucking middle finger to the MLB. Like, fuck you. Um, how he still has a job as commissioner is beyond me. But, uh, like you said, we did get into it. Uh, unless you have kind of, what's your quick thoughts? Just the, the, the article that we're that we talking
0: saw. about is from wall street journal and it's by Jared diamond. Uh, it came out this morning. It's, uh, it's interesting. Might piss you off if you're already uh, on that side of the fence about this whole ordeal. My only closing thought here is, if this whole buzzer thing is ever proven, have no idea if it will be. It might not get proven at all. Um, to me, that's a lifetime ban. I mean, that's like it's one thing to Probably. steal signs, but to have to go at length to uh, to cheat like that for the signal that uh, to know that an off-speed pitches is coming is uh, pretty absurd to me.
1: Yeah. I mean, they were talking about the coaches for the Red Sox were wearing smartwatches and getting notifications
0: on their smartwatch in the dugouts. So it was all elaborate, man. Right. I mean, it, it's sounding like it was a very elaborate, well-thought, and executed plan, and it yielded the championship for him and almost got him a yeah. second one this past season. Yeah, and I mean,
1: that's another thing, too. Like, if it's true, like, who knows? It's probably bullshit, like, the whole – the GM got notified by the MLB but decided not to tell anybody, not to tell the the players that they got these this memo from the MLB saying, like, if that's true, which probably bullshit, I'm sure the players fucking knew what was going on. Uh, they were just covering their asses because um, they can now have, oh, we have plausible deniability because we didn't know we got caught, basically is what they're basically saying. But how does now and Hinch – If that's true, they got notified and neglected to tell the team and do anything about it after getting notified, you have to stop this, and they just continue to do it. How is that not a lifetime ban right there? They got one-year suspension from the league? Right. Like, that should be a lifetime ban. If they got told, stop doing this because we know you're doing it, not sure that we could prove it yet, but we know it's happening, stop doing it, and they just say, okay, wink, wink, I'm just not going to tell anybody about it, plausible deniability for my entire organization, like, they should get a lifetime ban. But odds are they fucking know that everybody knew, and now they can't suspend anybody. That's another thing. They said, oh, we can't suspend any players because we can't just have only Astros players. You know, Marwan Gonzalez gets signed by another team, can't suspend him because that hurts the other team. Like, suck my cock. That's bullshit, dude. If you were fucking involved, you should be suspended for multiple seasons, at least a season minimum. Minimum.
0: My thing is, okay, you're not going down the route of... uh issuing punishment to the players. I don't understand. No, it, but no, it's, but no, even no post. I mean, a postseason ban would punish the players too, in a sense. Like I, right. I just, I can't believe they didn't at least get a postseason. ban. Right. Okay.
1: You can't take their salaries away because of the MLBPA or however you say it, uh, the players agreement, the the, the collective bargaining. Yeah. yeah. So we can't suspend them. You know, they wouldn't hold up in court or whatever. They'll, you know, sue us and, and fight back and their union will hold strong and they'll keep their salaries postseason ban is a perfect solution then yeah punish the organization okay you can't do anything about the players but you know you can suspend them from action can't suspend them from you know getting their salaries i think it'd be
0: i mean even if it wouldn't hold up um legally i think it'd still be worth sending the message that they are going to try to go down that route but to kind of wrap things up you're going to see their players get bean. I guarantee uh, I can't you, wait. The pitchers are already... I can't wait for Mike Clevenger to... Oh, face did, Trevor Bauer, uh, who's the pitcher from the Dodgers that said he would rather face someone on steroids than uh, uh, something would. Alex Wood. Wood. Alex Wood. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he comes out and says he'd rather play someone on steroids than someone that knows like when he's going to throw an off-speed pitch versus... Dude, that's a thing. Like
1: You have a... I don't want to say brotherhood, but you're all in the same union. You all play the same game. You've got guys, and Mike Clevenger kind of said this, he summarized this well. And you're seeing a lot of position players as well, not just pitchers coming out uh, and saying how bullshit this whole thing is. You've got guys who are fighting for their lives and livelihoods every single time they step on the field, and the guy next to them, and whether it's you know someone in the organization, somebody in another organization, you know, to have an unfair advantage on another team. That you are uh, at times facing and and otherwise, that is how fucking horrible would you feel like working your ass off to get through the minors, get a salary, get a long term career and get paid, and the guy across the field is just fucking cheating and getting whatever blatantly. He, you know what I mean? Like it in it, 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 it. The whole game is getting influenced by what they did in the negative, and they and nothing's happening to them. There's nothing being done. It's insane.
0: Yeah. I, I'm
1: I'm It right blows my you. mind. I don't know like there's I don't know if there's anything that can be done at this point or will be done, but especially we'll like from the players' perspective. Like what do they do? More, I mean more, more
0: stuff could be um more stuff could come out. I mean who knows? It's incre- like this is the most
1: incredible thing I can remember in sports controversy in my lifetime. Like this is worse than the whole Balco-Mitchell report steroid situation from, from a few years back. Mike,
0: that thing just drug out way too long. The whole right, that's probably, steroid yeah, I think they mentioned that article. Like part
1: of the reason why they probably wanted to get the players on board to get the report out quickly is because how long it took last time and the whole thing, it got
0: swept away. You yeah, know. well, MLB better be careful on how they handle things, especially if, uh, hey, maybe there's a white hat in the Astros organization that comes forward and goes... You know, goes to the athletic or some publishing company and says, Hey, I'm ready to come clean. This is everything that happened. Who know I kinda hope that happens. And it just gets yeah. real nasty dirty. I mean, how
1: much more would come out at this point though that hasn't? Like what would be To compelled? have
0: actual uh proof, like if he has actual proof or evidence of going to the extent of uh using buzzers. Well the or,
1: buzzers thing, yeah. I guess that could be part of a next thing that could come out, but if that never happened, um, you know, the banging on the trash cans was pretty effective, apparently. Yeah. Um, no, it was. I mean, they probably didn't wear buzzers. Who knows? As you probably hear my dogs barking in the upstairs. <laughs> um, but I don't know what else could happen uh, so far as that's concerned. But like you said, hopefully something does. I, I, something needs to happen to get the players on the hook for at least something. Yeah. You know what I mean? No,
0: it, it would take something something like I described to be able for to allow the MLB to actually... Um, come down again after the article we read today. If they're saying their hands are going to be tied with their agreement up front, so. But anywho, we digress. If yeah. more comes out, we'll. Uh, very passionate about this topic. Yes. We'll uh, discuss it further. But uh, had a had a huge weekend on Sunday, NFL championship weekend, and uh, we'll start with the first game that transpired. The Cinderella story, if you will, comes to an end. The Kansas City Chiefs taking down the Tennessee Titans. Something we both predicted.
1: Yeah, not too surprised. I think a lot of people were, you know, none too surprised. No. Um, What was it? I got to pull this up because uh, it was crazy what I saw. And I'm hoping this is the same uh, game that I'm mentioning or else the whole comment that I'm making right now makes no sense. Um, but yeah, just the one thing that stood out uh, as I try to pull this up um, is they just stopped giving it the ball to Derrick Henry. You know what I'm saying? What the fuck were they doing? Like they gave it I think I counted 3 rushing attempts in the second half for a total of 7 yards with Derrick Henry who ended with 19 carries and 69, 69 yards. Nice. Yeah,
0: I mean, yeah. Nin- I mean, 19 carries isn't that's a decent load. Um Bro, he got a
1: combined like 60 something the first two games like you got to give the man the rock. Ride or die with Derrick Henry. You cannot yeah. put the game in Ryan Tannehill's hands. He threw the ball this season. I looked uh, more than 30 or more times,
0: four times all season. There were one in three in them games. To be honest, though, the Chiefs were kind of – I mean, they were effective at stopping the run when they, when they went to it. And then in the fourth quarter, yeah. you had the Chiefs' were- explosion – um, yeah. And then they
1: kind of got out of hand. The, the score got out of hand. So they kind of had to pass in the second so both, half.
0: Yeah. Both teams put up goose eggs in the third quarter. Then in the fourth quarter, Kansas City scores 14 points. And, you know, Tennessee got that uh, touchdown uh, late to put seven on the board in that quarter. But when they went up 14 more points after half, it was kind of like, Ugh. yeah. Now now we got to throw. Can we do this consistently?
1: Yeah, and that's kind of what we both, like, I think, mentioned last week. Like the keys to win is slow down Derrick Henry, force Ryan Tannehill to throw the ball, and you'll win the game. Force him to throw more than 23 times, you're going to win. He yeah. threw 30-ish times or whatever it was. Ooh, yeah, no, that's not smoked. good if you're the yeah. Titans. Like I said, they, he threw 30 or more passes four times, lost all but one of those games, uh, including the loss he had last week. So, yeah, here's what I was looking up. So I was watching a pre-show on ESPN, I guess it was. Um, getting ready for the game to start. Teddy Bruski, Rex Ryan, Randy Moss, and Matt Hasselback are with uh Sam Ponder. So oh yeah. All of them cats except Sam Ponder picked the Titans to yeah, win. That was Sam crazy. Ponder picked the Chiefs. She's like, What the fuck are you guys talking about? Like Chiefs are gonna win. What are we what are we talking about? And I uh I was like, What what? Like, yeah. what am I am I missing something here? Like, I saw that ta- graphic. Oh, did did they make a graphic about it? I texted my buddy, I'm like, dude, you'll never believe this. Yeah. No, audience, so I mean, yeah.
0: dude with social media, all that, all that shit <laughs> oh, gets nice. gets posted to Twitter. Yeah, I didn't and,
1: see that, but it, I was like, what the fuck? Titans, Titans, Titans. i like, yeah. what? no. What are we talking about? They're even gonna fucking cover the spread. And sure enough, they didn't. Uh but yeah, you know Patrick Mahomes went off. Yeah, I mean Patrick Mahomes did Patrick Mahomes things. Um and like I said, they the Titans, I think, had little chance to win that game anyways. And they had to just run the shit out of Derrick Henry, ride or die. Like, either he's going to win them the game or not. And I thought, you know, if they go down, they have to continue to stay with their identity and keep giving Henry the rock, even if they're down, because that's their only chance. Like, you can be down by two scores, and if you start passing, the game's over. You might be able to get back into it if Derrick Henry starts going off. That's your only option. And they took that option away by giving him the ball three times in the second half. Like, yeah, they were down, but. You're not going to come back with fucking Ryan Tannehill. Yeah. You know what I mean? So.
0: now nah, not not being able to score right out of halftime in the third quarter. Yeah. Pretty much killed them because as you saw in many games, the Chiefs offense can explode at any given point in the game. They're like so it does not weird. matter if they're down three touchdowns or what. I mean, they can light it up when they get going. So, um, yeah, it went as expected. I didn't have to sweat
1: one of my prop bets. I bet uh, Henry and Tyreek Hill would both score touchdowns. There you I, go. I covered that pretty easily in yeah. the first half. So that was nice. Yeah. But yeah, it, it was a cool
0: game. It was fun, enjoyable, um, much more so than the second game. Yeah. That's so true. the second game, I look like a fool with my pick and what I said was going to happen.
1: Yeah. I thought the game would be close too, even though I had the 49. 49- I picked the 49ers, but. It was just an abysmal performance by the Packers. I even said it was going to come
0: down to place by Jimmy G there at the end, and the dude only one. had to throw eight times. Eight. Six for eight. and Six completions, bro. It's crazy. And won a conference championship game. San Fran came out and whooped the shit out of Green Bay. I mean, that was an embarrassing performance for the Green Bay Packers. My God.
1: Yes. Their defense was completely and absolutely atrocious. Like, okay. Raheem Mostert, let's give the man some credit. Dude put up 200-plus and four tuds in an NFC Championship game. I'll give him credit where credit is due. But everybody talking about how all these teams cut him and never gave him a chance, et cetera, et cetera. It's like, bro, Nick Chubb would have put up 300-plus with that team oh, yeah. last week. Like I watched all the replay, like uh, the film of every run that Mostert did, and he made some plays, don't get me wrong. I'm pretty sure all four of his touchdowns, he had zero contact made on every single one, completely untouched to the house. Uh, and multiple times he's gaining 30 yards downfield without getting touched. Their defense was abysmal, bro. The defensive line, especially the ends, consistently took themselves completely out of the place. I don't know what the fuck they were doing. They were like not wanting to make contact with the blocking and just basically falling to the ground or just rushing for a potential play action that never existed. Like they were completely taking themselves out of the, the game. Darnell Savage had one of the worst performances I've ever seen. Like, dude was out of position, over pursuing, terrible pursuit routes, abandoning his outside contain constantly. We were like, just i get, he's just he's a rookie. I'll give yeah. him, you know, the benefit of the doubt. He had a bad game, but wow.
0: Yeah. That was bad, bro. I mean, we were just talking about how Aaron Rodgers finally has an improved right. defense, which he did. They bro, did.
1: I got fooled by that. I got fooled by their defense, especially early in the year. They were performing, and that's kind of when I was paying more attention I Had a couple primetime games early in the season. Um, I got fooled by the Packers, D. I thought they were a lot better than they were. Their pass rush is pretty solid. Their run defense is bad.
0: Particularly, so I did some reading. And paired uh, with reading. scheme. Yeah, <sighs> Pair, good paired, good paired with Shanahan. It just, um, yeah, in hindsight, probably should have seen that coming. But even so, to get, for I mean, you're talking about Green Bay's defense and how they got sliced, which they did. But my God, they came back out in the field like after these short drives from the Packers' offense that sputtered yeah, the entire that. first half. And it's like, Green Bay, you got to put some pressure on San Fran's offense by putting some damn points on the board, and forcing the ball into Jimmy Garoppolo's hands. Much big like old the whole goose egg in the Tana first half, bro. Right. Twenty-seven
1: zip. That's <laughs> embarrassing. Yeah, it was. It was bad. I mean, the whole secondary, like I said, and not just Savage, but. Uh, Will Redmond and Alexander? How do you say his first name? Is it Jair or Zai? Jair, yeah. Jair, Jair Alexander. You know, like I said, young guys, especially Savage's rookie, is, is if I memory serves, like. But they were just bad. Like just taking themselves out of position, not getting downfield and making contact, missing tackles, trying to arm tackle downfield. Like there was a couple times. I think it was Savage, one of them. If he doesn't barely barely get an arm around and Mostert fall to the ground. Dude Is he would have had six touchdowns. Like and that's one of those things when I was like talking about how uh Nick Chubb probably would have put up 300 like there was a couple plays where I was like there is a 0% chance Nick Chubb does not house that and Sav- or, uh Mostert got like 35 yards or something. Yeah. I was like yeah that's getting housed by Nick Chubb. For yep. sure. That zone read that Sanahan runs is
0: uh, it was unstoppable. Yeah. It was unstoppable. No, he, uh, he's clearly showing that uh, – and he has in the past. Oh, that yeah. He's an offensive guru, and when you pair it with uh, how they've constructed uh, that team, uh, they, they have good tight ends too uh, that can block. And I – listening to Shanahan speak about the offense and how um, sometimes it benefits him when defenses stack the box and they run into it with their uh, zone blocking – um, it's just it's just cool to uh, – I respect Shanahan, so I think it's kind of cool to see the 49ers uh, performing like they are. I mean, they don't um, – they field a, an awesome defensive line. Nick Bosa is a goddamn maniac. He is. And they line up on the offensive side of the ball and pretty much dictate what they're going to do to you. And uh, it's setting up to be a pretty exciting Super Bowl matchup we both agreed last podcast that Chiefs versus either of these teams, the Packers or the Niners, would make for an exciting Super Bowl. So now we get to see the Chiefs offense versus this 49ers defense. And that matchup, I'm excited for.
1: Yeah, man. It is going to be very interesting. Like, I have no idea or clue which way I want to put my betting money on. Yeah. Like, I'm just i have no idea you got
0: another week to decide I, I i
1: know i don't even know if i'm going to put anything i like, i'm sure i will but like i don't even know where to begin like there's so many different angles of what could happen like best offense in a league best quarterback in a league weapons for fucking days looked completely unstoppable in the playoffs versus the exact opposite in defensive side of the ball playing against them like what is something's got to give yeah you know, and the Chiefs' defense has been a lot better, especially Did, the late half of the second half of the season. They
0: they don't get spoken about a lot. I think people are realizing it now after this playoff run. But I was talking with a buddy preseason, and you know, I kind of said the same thing that I I didn't I just didn't know who the Chiefs really had if their defense because they they lost a lot from uh, last year. Thinking back to this conversation, then he said, "Ah, you might want to check their roster again." And then when you looked at their acquisitions and uh, who they have on the field, they they got some players on the defensive side of the ball. And Tyron Matthews is having a great playoff. Dude man. has been balling. He out. is all over the field. I love watching good safeties. Jamal Adams, love watching him play. Tyron Matthews is another safety I love watching because, dude, he flies all over the football field.
1: Yeah, dude. Chris Jones is a beast. Frank Clark has been balling. Like Just yep. a talent all across the defense. And it's been a sneakishly good defense. Like last year, you know, their defense kind of held them back a little bit, even though, you know, I think we kinda of mentioned on the podcast, you know, <laughs> D Ford lines up six inches backwards and they're going to the Super Bowl and and probably beat the Rams with extreme ease. It's
0: funny that he's on the Niners now.
1: <laughs> yeah. It is. Uh so, you know, their defense is a lot improved and they are playing very well. Um, you know, especially in the second half of the season, like I mentioned. And you pair that with their offense. If they could slow down the rush attack uh, that Shanahan is going to put out there uh, with this excellent zone read scheme that he's got going, it could make for an interesting game. Kind of the same thing like force the ball into Jimmy G's hands and then you got a good chance to slow down their offense, but easier said than done. But I Mm -hmm. do think their defense is a lot better than the Packers and they will play a lot better than the Packers did this past week. Yeah,
0: no, you're not going to... You know, it's not a true road or home game. Uh, You're not going to see a sluggish performance in the Super Bowl from either of these teams. Uh, They're both going to bring it. I have full confidence that um, they're both going to bring the intensity and be ready to play. I definitely don't think the Niners are just going to come out and carve the Chiefs like they did to the Packers. Um, But on the flip side, that Chiefs offense, I know this defense they are playing is – going to be the best they've faced all season. However, you've seen Patty Mahomes extend plays and uh, make plays with his arm downfield. And with the speed that the Chiefs have at the skilled positions, they can score at any given point throughout the game, whether they're down or, uh, you know, even if they find themselves behind in the down and distance, like Patty Mahomes can make insane plays uh, with his feet and arm. So, uh, it's going to be awesome to watch the front of the 49ers get after Patrick Mahomes and uh, what the Chiefs do. One thing I wanted to go back, you know, what do you think it was that
1: stopped Aaron Rodgers so much? Like, why do you think he struggled so much and that offense struggled so
0: much? <clears throat> I honestly can't. Uh, I need to rewatch it to uh, truly answer the question. Yeah, but it, it's weird. Just like, it's
1: like nothing really stood out. <laughs> they
0: they kind of shot themselves in the foot early if i, I recall 17 nothing and
1: and they were driving think, down to field i think rogers fumbled. fumbled
0: a snap on a, that was him that uh fumbled i thought
1: yeah i think that was that was obviously a big part of it they go down 17 nothing i think is with the score at the time and they finally get something going get down uh into uh you know plus territory into the 49 ers side of the field and he gets strip sacked i know that derailed obviously but like the pressure wasn't like he wasn't running for his life he wasn't you know, it was just weird. Like, I got to really look back and analyze, like, what went wrong. Like, nothing worked. They really didn't get very many first downs, especially early. Um, he wasn't getting sacked left and right. It wasn't like just overcome with defensive pressure, uh, from the get go. It was just weird. And, like, I'm trying to think, it's just like, one of those things. I mean, they, yeah.
0: they, uh, Put they, had their, scheme, I guess, they had their like, number that day. I mean, you're also talking about, uh, Matt LaFleur. I mean, this is the first time being a head coach and first time through the playoffs going on the road out to the uh, West Coast. And the 49ers have the pretty much the same staff intact from last year. So they're literally um, coaching the the same team they had last year with a few new additions to it. And I think they they were ready to come and, and take it to the Packers. Uh, Matt LaFleur in his um, most recent press conference, I mean, straight up kind of said, calling his players out for, coming out and playing sluggish early on and not really uh having the intensity needed to go out and execute what they tried to put together and think he was calling out his players and and Mike Petten out uh, a little bit yeah yeah
1: i mean it, their defense obviously shit the bed and you know it, even if they were able to put something together offensively the way they were unable to completely stop the run and allow fucking Raheem Mostert for go for two twenty and four touchdowns, like they really had no chance uh, when they performed defensively like that. But it's just weird, like looking like what is going to be different. Obviously, the Chiefs have way more weapons. Obviously, they got Pat Mahomes, and I think Pat Mahomes has leapfrogged Aaron Rodgers as the best quarterback in the league, with an argument with, with for Russell Wilson. But in my opinion, Pat Mahomes is the best quarterback in the league and i think that's going to make the difference and their weapons obviously they're going to be able to do so many more things especially with Tyreek Hill move him around a lot you can put him in the screen game you give him some fucking jet sweep type situations uh, we saw him house uh, a couple touchdowns last week so like i said it's something we can we're really going to be able to dive into in more depth next week um but that was just kind of one thing like stood out like it, there's nothing that really came to mind as like standing out of why the Packers just couldn't do anything offensively. Obviously, the fumble hurt, and then Rodgers threw the pick.
0: But just what, I mean, their their game plan um, just wasn't there. I mean, it the, the scoring plays that they had in the second half were from freak Aaron Rodgers' throws, <laughs> yeah. like literally him throwing off his back foot. Um, I mean, the one, he literally had to jump up in the air and kind of throw the nine route to Devontae Adams yeah. down the sideline. And then another one. Um, I think it was to Jimmy Graham for a touchdown, but, um, I actually saw a breakdown on Twitter. It was cover three and they ran seams and he literally stared to the left side of his field of the field to hold the high safety. And dude, he, as he's turning, like he didn't even look to see who was open before he threw. He knew looking to the left, hold him to open up the seam from the slot. He turns and fires all in one motion and it went for a touchdown. So, I mean, it, just what what they had was not working. Yeah, and it's weird cuz they
1: got first downs on, you know, both of their first two drives. Um so they were like moving the ball a little bit. Um but then they just didn't really move it enough and get anything yeah. going like Now they 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 just didn't plays, have it that day. got a couple of chunks, you know, 15 here, 20 there, then they'd stall out punt. Same thing the next drive. And then, you know, obviously the turnovers then happen like it just Nothing really came together. Nothing went right you know for I mean? them. No. Nothing came together and their defense really hurt. <laughs> really hurt their, yeah. their chances. They didn't really have much chance. But
0: no, it yeah. was shocking watching the game. Yeah. Like I was just I was
1: ready for like the heater of a game. Like the first game, I was like, okay, yes. let's get through this first game so we can yes. get to the NFC championship because it's gonna be a fucking awesome game. Back and forth, both offenses doing their thing, defenses making plays, like it's gonna be everything. And then it was nothing of the sort. No. Uh so hopefully the Super Bowl is a good one. Um, and I'm looking forward to really diving deep into it next week as we preview the big game.
0: Absolutely, dude! I love the Super Bowl, man. Yes, it's I love a great the Super league,
1: man. Bowl. Wake up! It's like it's fucking Super Bowl Sunday. Like it's one of my favorite days. Of I game. love it. Yeah, I think that's good segue into the NBA. Uh, a couple quick topics to talk about: um, Zion Williamson to make his NBA debut tonight in about an hour or so. Um, that should be interesting. My question is. What is the chances that Zion still wins rookie of the year with 50% of the season already cooked in the books? What do you think about his chances?
0: So I definitely think it's possible that he comes in and wins it. I mean, right now the front runner has to be Job ja Morant, right? Definitely. I mean, he definitely he is making plays lately that kind of wow you. He has the wow factor, averaging 17 a game. I mean, he's pretty much the you know, the team for Memphis. So I'd have to give the nod to John Morant now, but if even in half a season, if Zion comes back in and totally lights it up from the get go, um, I could definitely see him being at least in the discussion for sure. Yeah. You know, down to him and John Morant toward the end. Yeah.
1: Like you said, John Morant, clear head and shoulders favorite to win it at this point. Um, I mean, RJ Barrett, his stats are okay. Okay. Uh, 14 a game, five boards, two and a half assists. Uh, and he's playing about 32 minutes a game, 31 minutes a game. So, you know, he's, I think he would have to have a monster second half, which just is not going to happen. Yeah. Um. So it's either going to be John Morant, as long as he does, you know, stays healthy and kind of continues the ball, which like you said, he's their entire team basically. So uh, he, one would assume if he stays healthy, he will continue to put up stats. Uh, But, Will Zion be able to step in and basically take over the league like he did in college? Like that is going to be the big question mark of will there be an adjustment period? Will or will he just come in and just dominate? You know, we saw him in the preseason and things like that uh, do some things, and you know, I think he's going to come in and make a fucking push for this
0: uh, for the Rookie of the Year. I hope he does. I want to see it. Yeah, it's entertaining.
1: (laughs) Exactly. You know, it's going to be tough if Ja, I mean, if Ja ends the season averaging 22 points a game, you're going to have a hard time. You know, he's ran out 22 and eight and a half, like,
0: and, it's gonna their, be tough. and their team has a playoff slot right as it stands today. So, well,
1: I mean, one would assume if, if John, ja, or ja, if Zion comes in balls and, you know, puts him statistically in the category of in the conversation, the Pelicans are probably going to be making the playoffs or, damn close damn close and They're damn close right now if, if uh this standings come to my memory uh in they're in form. 12th place right now okay how many games back are they three and a half from okay, yeah. last so place. could he come in start dominating and push them over the edge definitely i think that's the case um and you know i think he's gonna make a push because i don't think there's gonna be much of a learning curve and you know a lull in him getting back into it he's been around the game this entire time it's not like he's you know been gone from the nba like he's been in the facility he's been at practice he's been at every game falling asleep on court um yeah so, so you know the the ins and outs of how the nba works and that's a big thing too like the adjustment period of just being an nba player like going being in college you got class you got you know practice you got games it's just a whole different uh environment to then going to the nba and it's your job to play basketball yeah and that's your career now so, everything is basketball. So, he's been around that adjustment. He's been around the adjustment of traveling. He's got that down, Pat, one would assume. So, now he just needs to come in and just ball, just play ball. It's time to go play ball. Will he have a hiccup and like get into his own head and, you know, overthink things? I don't think so. I think he's a guy who just goes out, has fun playing basketball, loves the game, and just yeah. is free playing. And his talent is. You know, there's a reason why he was a, a number one pick. He's gonna make plays. Exactly. There's no doubt about so, it. So I mean, he's gonna he,
0: make plays that uh, wow you. There's no doubt.
1: Yeah. So I think he's gonna step in and just start balling the fuck out from day one, and that's probably gonna happen tonight. Well, well tonight might be different. We'll see. Uh, there might be adjustment p- period of of the team now adjusting to the best player on the court all of a sudden being on their team like on their side of the ball like yeah. what are they going to do are they going to start forcing him the ball are they going to be basically forming the the team and the play around him when he hasn't played a game all season how are defense is going to react to that are they going to be doing too much to try to get him involved early on where it kind of hinders his performance and hinders their ability to win games that's kind of going to be the, the the key difference maker of of what happens especially early on uh but talent wise and his skill and ability, I
0: think he's gonna step in and just start making highlight reels. You know what I'm saying because of his athletic ability, he will make the highlight reel. What I'm curious to see um is you know if he can put up numbers similar to John Morant like we were talking about um just based on his athleticism uh alone, or is he coming in this year and is gonna um be more polished than people think with his actual skill. Like I remember Blake Griffin, when he first started, he, he was looking good, actually putting up, um, really good numbers. And, uh, I remember the talk about him was just wait, he's just scratching the surface because he's only doing it off of his athletic ability. Just wait until he develops and refines his skill a little bit more in the NBA. So kind of put, um zion in in that similar boat like he's a freak of nature size wise and athleticism he can handle the ball for being that big it's crazy so you know just really curious to see you know if he's only relying on athleticism at this point or you know he's been injured so he hasn't been able to work on his game for how long now like intensely so
1: yeah yeah i i i, I the whole not working on his game intensely like i don't think it's going to matter for much for him just because he's that much of a freak um and it just it seems everything just comes naturally and easy for him um and and by all accounts like he loves the game to the point where he enjoys studying the game he enjoys sure. you know finding the ins and outs of how he can improve and get better um so you know a lot of it's going to come on to the shoulders of Alvin Gentry their their coach who has been with their team for several years now Uh, made a playoff run or a playoff appearance a couple years back. Um, So little experience there. Uh, So he's got that to kind of fall back on a head coach who knows what he's doing uh, by all accounts. And there's some veterans on that team as well. So I think it'll all kind of come together um, and they're going to make a push here for this playoffs. And it's going to be on the shoulders first overall pick. And I think he's going to make a, legitimate discussion towards the end of the year of who should win the, the MVP or the rookie of the year. But you know, who knows, it, it might not be a discussion just because he hasn't played a uh, very many games, but it's going to be fun to watch and interesting. You know, I love watching the young guys just come in and, and ball out. So that's what I'm going to be looking for, you know, right away. And And it's going to be interesting to see how everything develops going on the rest of the season too. So, for sure. He's a lightning rod for attention. So all yeah.
0: eyes are gonna be on that game here at 25 minutes away.
1: And hopefully that juices up the rest of the team. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Gets them going and and shows them like, yeah, we got a chance. And you know JJ Reddick doesn't want to miss the playoffs for the first time in his career. So holy fuck. Yeah. That's dude. legit. JJ Reddick has never missed the playoffs in his career. That's wild. Yeah.
0: So we talked rookie of the year, who uh Now that we're at the halfway point, uh, pretty much, who are you looking at for uh, MVP leaders?
1: Uh, So, you know, we haven't talked too much NBA, obviously, on the podcast yet. Uh, As we mentioned, we're going to get into that a lot more once the NFL season wraps up here in a week or two. So preseason, right when the beginning of the year started, I did a podcast when you were out. Uh, I did a little solo edition where I looked ahead to the NBA season, and if memory serves, I picked Giannis to win second MVP uh, going back to back this year, win his MVP? So he's definitely going to be have, have to be the favorite at this point. Um, but is your question who I think, or who should, or what, what do you think the question you is? Think? Just,
0: just if you were I giving it we'll? up today. Oh, if I was giving up today,
1: probably, probably got to go to Giannis. Um, he's just put up the stats and they have lost six entire games this entire season. So, you know, that puts him over the edge as well. And, you know, he, the best team in the NBA and he is the clear head and shoulders best player on that team. You know, you got look at guys like uh, James Harden, LeBron James. Giannis is the gap between the best player on the bucks between Giannis and probably Middleton uh, is a bigger gap than, you know, James Harden and Russ Westbrook or LeBron James and Anthony Davis. So the fact that that's the case and they've lost only six games all season and he's putting up fucking 30 a game and 13 rebounds a game and, oh, yeah, six assists a game. No, he's doing it all. And a block a game. Like, he's just fucking dominating, bro. Yeah. Dominating. Unless he's playing the Sixers, and I bet money on the Bucks, <laughs> and they get fucking smoked. But, yeah, it's got to be honest. Um, and, yeah, well, I guess before we kind of do that prediction, I was going to say, what do, you, what do you think about right now?
0: Right now, it's got to be honest yeah. for the points uh, you just mentioned. But some other interesting names. Obviously, you could throw out LeBron every single uh, season um, because they have the best record in the West currently, right now. Uh, Kawhi Leonard is another guy you could always throw out there for the Clippers. They're 31 and 13. And, um, you know, Kawhi is another well rounded player. I want to point out second-year player Trey Young, who is absolutely balling. Yeah, the only is, problem dude. is the Atlanta Hawks suck ass. Are they the worst team in the NBA still? Uh, they're definitely the worst in the East. <laughs> Pretty they sure might, it the might worst. be the entire NBA. Pretty sure the worst team in the NBA. Yeah, they know, are, The other for day sure. they
1: were the last when I looked. Um, yeah, they stink. But oh, fun. they're,
0: they're – uh,
1: yeah. Yeah, okay. They booty. Um, yeah, dude, he is going to be a superstar. Uh, and is kind of asserting himself as such already, kind of like you mentioned. Um, I mean, 29 points a game on that team. I mean, I guess on that team, who else they got? But that's still significant. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? Especially, like I said, from a second-year guy, I'm very impressed with what we've seen from him for sure.
0: And then, obviously, Luka Doncic with the Dallas Mavericks. Yeah, man. Is another one that honestly – you can make the argument that he would be next in line after Giannis Gotta if, you were, be. if you were putting the votes together. I saw today. the
1: man almost get a trip dub live a couple of weeks ago. I think he's Mexico almost was averaging a, a trip <laughs> dub, which is insane. Uh, and he's what, fucking 20 years old? It's just ridiculous. Like he, he's awesome. Fucking Mavericks and fast. <clears throat> he's awesome. Why can't we get lucky and move on from a great to another great? We get horrible, get LeBron James, and we become great. He leaves, and we become horrible again. LeBron comes back, we're great again. He leaves and we suck again. Yeah, Come, why can't we get at least one great guy? But dude, Luca, that motherfucker is good. And yeah, the fact, like I said, the fact that the Mavericks get to go from Dirk to another, you know, guy who's going to be on their team for the next twenty plus years, just putting up buckets, is some bullshit. But yeah, like you said, he's probably easily the second guy on in line to for that MVP. You know, his stat line of twenty nine points. boards and nine assists assists plus a steal a game. Like, dude is 20 years old almost ever in a season triple double on a team that's pretty good. Like, yeah, no, for sure. I'm very impressed with what we've seen from him. He just does everything good. Um, but like you said, you cannot sleep on a man like LeBron James, and also Luka is a lot bigger than I thought. Like, yeah, I thought he was, you know, seeing him live. It's like dude is bulkier than he looks a lot of times I think. Uh but yeah, so LeBron James is definitely in the conversation as well and I think if he continues the ball, he won't win the MVP because he's LeBron James. Plenty of seasons uh in recent memory especially when he was with Cleveland putting up MVP stats on championship teams and not winning the MVP. That's just how it goes for LeBron. It's like he I don't know, gets cuz oh, it's just LeBron. He's just doing LeBron things, we're going to overlook that because he's LeBron James. Like, yeah, If it was anybody else in the league, they'd be getting handed MVPs for days. But because it's LeBron, nobody wants to give him the love in that respect. But, you know, definitely probably Giannis and and Luka are number one and number two. And I think it's going to be Giannis only because I think it's shown in recent history that the best team, their best player who's in the conversation gets the MVP more often than not. Yeah. Um, so that's probably going to happen again. He is definitely deserving though. So that's fair. And uh,
0: he's probably going to win it again. If I were to choose to build my team around either player, there's probably not a wrong option, but I'm going to choose Giannis if you give him the me the choice. Too. So, me too. Hence MVP as it stands today.
1: Yeah. And that was a comment that I always kind of made, like the next best player in the NBA, who is that going to be? Like it's always been LeBron James for the last, I don't know, 15 years yeah how many years has he been in the league maybe not his rookie year he wasn't better than kobe maybe but every year since and you probably make an argument for his rookie yeah fuck kobe (laughs) dude kobe's legit no he's good uh no but so like 15 years in a row he's been the best player in the league and honestly he's in my opinion still the best player in the league uh lebron james but i've always said the next best player in the league, everybody's talking about, oh, KD's the second best player in the league. And I was like, yeah, and he's never going to be the best player in the league in his entire career. And that's shaping up pretty much to be true. Obviously, injuries are having a little bit to play with that. But he was never the best player in the league caliber, in my opinion. Uh, and I always said Giannis will be the next greatest player in the league. After it's no longer LeBron, is going to be Giannis. And the argument could be had over the last couple seasons that Giannis is now the best player in the league. Won the MVP last year. What about probably going to win it again? What about this year. Kawhi Leonard? That's another. That's to another. Giannis. That's another very legitimate argument.
0: I think it's close. I don't know. I don't know who know I'd pick. That's certainly an argument
1: that a lot of people would make, um, and that's fair, dude. That's definitely fair, especially the last couple of seasons. One's championship. Is the best defender in the league, which you can't put stats on for the most part, uh, and that's that's overlooked a lot of times when you talk about best players in the league. Um, so, Kawhi, Giannis. Maybe Luca in a year or so. Like who fucking knows? It's in my opinion, it's LeBron James right now. But I always said it'll be Giannis. But like you said, there's some guys who are making it a little bit more of a conversation. Um, certainly, but like you said, if you're starting a franchise right now, who do you take? Like if you every single, if it's pretty obvious. Like if the NFL, every single player was a free agent, the first team would pick Pat Mahomes, and it would not even be yeah, a the no, conversation. It'd, it'd be unanimous. But in the NBA, it'd be a couple guys people would be thinking twice about.
0: Them. Yeah. Yeah. But now, if it's me, it's, uh, I'm picking Giannis. It's an interesting conversation. When you do that, you have to factor age. So if you throw age out of it, um, I'm going LeBron James, of course. Well, Kawhi. But when you factor in age to actually build your franchise around, it's right. clearly Giannis now.
1: Well, yeah, I don't know, man. Who gives you a better. I mean, okay, this year. Yeah, I'm picking LeBron James. Yeah. Like, if, the, if it started preseason, who's your number one pick? Yeah, I'm picking LeBron James. Yeah. But like you said, as an organization, as a, from that LeBron might retire in two years. Oh, yo, you know yeah. What like, That's
0: what I'm saying. With age, not as much of a factor. Yeah. It's, it's For just one crazy season, that made. that like you're still going LeBron <laughs> at this point.
1: <laughs> He's the best, man. He's the best player in the league still, to this day, which is insane. He's still not going to win the MVP. And it's deserving to go to Luka or Giannis. And right now, my money is going to be on Giannis, like I said, because... Their team is going to have the number one seed. And they're going to have like, f- who knows, 10, 12 losses this year probably. Um, Yeah, it's going to be fun. Like second half of the season, I'm, I'm looking forward to really diving more into the NBA on this podcast and just watching in general. Watch a decent amount of NBA, you know, when I've had a chance uh, here or there. Uh, it's going to be an interesting shape up uh, how these conferences shape out particularly in the playoffs there's a lot of teams that i think have a legit shot especially in the east obviously the bucks are going to lead the way in that conversation but you know the celtics the heat have kind of surprised a lot of people uh the raptors are kind of still in there but i don't really have any faith in them it's still the raptors um in the west the clippers uh, in my opinion are going to blow through the playoffs for the most part until they get to the conference championship probably against the lakers depending on how the seating shapes up uh but The Lakers and the Clippers, I think, are—I don't know—for whatever reason, I think they have the the advantage over teams like the Jazz and the Nuggets, uh, who are probably up there in the conversation for who's going to get, you know, some of those top seeds. Uh, But it's going to be the East is going to be going to be very interesting. Um, But yeah, it's going to be fun to kind of start breaking that down on the podcast and getting into that.
0: Absolutely, man. I'm definitely going to start paying uh, more attention to NBA now that football is winding down a little bit. I've been, uh, following college basketball, uh, somewhat closely. I, I, I've always remained a fan of college basketball. Some people shit on, on that sport. And I can understand that too.
1: Yeah. I'm one of that doesn't really pay much attention. Yeah, to
0: no, I get it. I just the the college game in general with the whole recruiting aspect and player development, uh, I don't know. I've just always been drawn to that. So still pay attention to, oh. And the fact that Michigan football sucks ass and, and Michigan basketball, really basketball has been pretty yeah. <laughs> pretty damn good in my lifetime. So that's a factor as well. But uh, I love the NBA as well. Growing up watching uh, LeBron James in a Cavs jersey just immediately pulled me in that direction to uh, enjoy basketball. Yeah. So I, I like the NBA. I like watching the sports played at their highest level. And uh, there are some interesting uh, teams and storylines that you kind of already – pointed out especially with the playoff picture going to be taking shape in the second half of the season
1: yeah i'm looking forward to this clippers versus lakers who's going to win the west conversation
0: um you know the clippers have lost some games that they probably
1: shouldn't have and, and had their ups and downs a little bit yeah. early on in the season but they'll get their shit together they have easily the best bench in the league in my opinion and have like you mentioned maybe the best player in the league and Kawhi. oh yeah paul george i'll throw him in there too who was in here earlier in the season. Like, they're stacked. They're stacked. Straight stacked. And when you pair that with the best bench in the league, sets up pretty good. Uh, Fucking Lou Williams still putting up numbers, bro. He's going to win his sixth man of the year again. They're just just stacked. Uh, But then, you know, like I said, LeBron and AD as a combo is disgusting on his own right as well. So it's going to be cool. Hopefully they get number one and number two so they can match up in that conference championship and don't somehow run into each other before. Uh, but it's kind of hard to to see how that could be possible. Um, but it's going to be interesting. Looking forward to that. Looking forward next week. Check it out. Um, we're going to be breaking down this Super Bowl. Really looking forward to that game. Like I said, favorite game. One of the favorite days of the year. Super Bowl Sunday coming up. So until we talk to you next week, Jeff,
0: been a pleasure, brother. As always.
1: Peace.